Alrighty, guys. So today, what we've got for you, we've got a conversation with Khan Porter. Um, not really going to call this anything. Um, it's more so just a, a chat about Khan and his life and his thoughts on the world, really. It's a two-part show. Um, it ended up, we got a bit of a theme with, um, with the way that we do our podcast and our questioning. I suppose you guys have probably noticed it's a lot towards, sometimes gets a little bit towards um, uh, mindset. And, uh, and I think that's where this conversation definitely went. And it was really interesting to hear from, um, from one of the top athletes in the world in, uh, in, his, in his chosen field, just the, the day-to-day stuff that goes through his head, the insecurities, the worries, the anxieties, you know. The bipolar. The bipolar, yeah. He's, he's um, actually talks about uh, his, the fact that he's bipolar. So, um, yeah, it was a really interesting chat, and I think um, I think you guys will get to know Carm Porter a lot better after this, and probably me and Tommy a little bit too. It gets a little bit wild. We talk about coke and hookers and yep. stupid stuff, porn and um, shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's all. It gets a little little wild, a little silly, but it's a pretty good conversation. So, um, yeah. So, the sponsors for today are Audible. So, if you want to get into listening to audiobooks, guys, and get into an uh, an audible way of uh, of learning rather than um, what's it called when you read? Uh, an a readable reading way. Re- reading <laughs> way of learning. <laughs> so if you wanna if you wanna take in information while you're cooking dinner, while you're driving your car, while you're walking the dogs, it's a great way to do so because uh, the more sitting information on the toilet. sitting on the toilet, the more you can uh, the more you can take in, the more you can learn, then the better a person you're probably gonna be. So like it. I uh, if you wanna check out Audible. They've got so many titles, guys. They've got it all. And it's all at www.audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF radio. You go there, you'll get a, three, a 30-day free trial, and you'll also get one free audiobook to get you started. And we are also brought to you by Adventure Fit Travel. So we've got uh, Everest coming up, guys. Everest Base Camp in September it runs through to October. It's 15 days trekking through the Kumbu region with... Uh, with Mac, will be leading that trip. Ex um, co-host of Adventure Fit Radio, Mac Rundle, will be will be leading that with our team from Nepal. Um, the guys are great. The people over there are great. The experience is first class. And uh, do yourself a favor. Head to www.adventurefittravel.com and check it out. Ready for the show? Pumped. <laughs> All righty, here it is. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where did we come from? Are we alone in the universe? What is the future of the human race? I'm with you if you want to live. I did. Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. Alrighty. Well, we may as well just uh, start us off now, Tommy. Uh, let's uh, let's hit it up with Tommy's tribute. Beautiful. Serenade me. Serenade, I certainly will. So, for everyone at home, I've chosen Single Ladies uh, because we all know uh, the famous Instagram video that you've put up, mate. Jeez, that got a lot of love, didn't it? 
It did, hey. Yeah. When I, a little, like I posted it and then flew overseas and the next day it was a little bit gangbusters. Yeah, hey? that's right. All righty, so here we go. It's a, it's a one chord song. My singing is atrocious, by the way, mate. That's all right. You know, this is the first time a man has sat opposite me on a couch yeah, and sung to me. Right. So. All right, here we go. All the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. Now put your hands up. Walking to the gym, doing your own thing. We're speaking to your man today. He's got all the tats, he's got all the abs. I bet you're happy he isn't gay. Wanna know how he trains and I'm how he late. maintains a fitness level like he does? Cause he's back at the games to reignite the flames, forgetting fucking tons of girls' names. Cause if you want him, then you should give him a like on the gram. Even though I'm not really sure he is a single man, but it doesn't really matter. Do the best you can. If you're a single lady, you really should be getting the tan to get with Khan. Khan, Khan. Con, 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 welcome to the show. I am absolutely chuffed with that, gentlemen. That's the first time anyone has that I'm aware of written a song about me, and that was unreal, fellas. Really, really good stuff. Welcome, mate. Betty Happy He's and Gay for all the single ladies out there. Allegedly, I heard he was. That was one of your better ones. I know. As I said, man, I was half pissed when I wrote it. I can't remember who showed me. Jen, this chick was on one of our adventure fit trips, said there's some really cute crossfitters in Australia, but it's a shame that they're gay. <laughs> and I said, "What do you mean, Jen?" And she goes, "Oh, you know what's his name? He's he's a, he went to the CrossFit Games. Um, Khan, Khan, someone." I'm like, yeah. "I don't know if Khan Porter's gay." She goes, "No, no, he is. Look, look, he is, he is." And she showed me a photo of you and your mates in your budgie yeah, smugglers, right. like all <laughs> hugging, embracing. Yeah. I'm like, "Nah, I think that's a piss take, Jen." But nah, nah. who knows? Really masculine dudes <laughs> in Australia do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think like I like to leave it a little ambiguous. I'm not gay, but at the same time, I think someone posted on Twitter last year words to that effect like oh you know super upset that Khan Porter is gay or something like that and I remember writing back I was like I'm actually not <laughs> but I make no apologies for um, leading that impression yeah. on. Like, if anything that's a compliment thank you that's right. and then all these people were just like that's great it's yeah. a great idea it's sort of like mentality to have Operation Make Khan Gay <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how successful they're going to be I'm actually uh, very straight that's right. <laughs> very straight we'll definitely go into that later yeah. <laughs> um, so Khan um Thanks for coming on the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your history. Um, tell us about Khan Porter. That's a very broad question. My history. Um, I guess I got into CrossFit about four years ago. I was working full-time as a journo in my final year of university, studying comms with a major in journalism. And um, I would always play different sports, I guess, from the time I was a kid. My parents used to make me play sport growing up. And I was just training to keep fit and healthy. And then I saw CrossFit. Uh, I was introduced to it at a Globo gym and kind of saw it as a means of, I guess, competing with myself and with all these people all over the world that were posting these scores from these workouts. And it really appealed to my competitive nature. And I figured, you know, it's something that I can just do recreationally and get as good as I want to get at it. And as long as I'm getting better and better and better, then that's kind of cool. And then I saw the CrossFit Games. Pardon me, I'm probably going to burp a few. <laughs> it was a bad idea to drink a beer while we were doing this. Um, and then I kind of saw the games in that and thought oh, you know, I wouldn't mind giving this a go so I found myself in a full-time job with a disposable income for the first sort of time in my life and a gym opened up near the home I uh, walked in and pretty much just was like yes yeah, wait I'm gonna go to uh, hey I want to do CrossFit I want to do CrossFit games and, and like probably start with regionals and I remember like <laughs> obviously as, as you do the <laughs> as right, gym was just yeah, like ah oh, okay we'll see we'll see how you go but yeah. um 
I think like a couple of weeks in, I had a 220 Fran done like and dusted. So that once I learned how to do butterfly pull-ups properly and yeah, I kind of picked everything up pretty quick yeah. and I'm just that kind of competitive person where if I sort of, if I want to win something, like I, that's kind of it. Like I have to. And if I don't, I will beat myself up over it and to the point where I figure out what did I do wrong and how can I make myself better in that way and, mm-hmm. and fix that. And that, yeah. And then I don't know, I've been working full time, uh, writing and then that kind of, I had a contract and that contract and finished up and then I found myself sort of immersed in the coaching world and came to a realization that I really loved, I guess more than anything, I guess the community aspect of CrossFit that it built this entire kind of, uh, yeah, this like group of people with, all sort of similar interests and it became such a huge part of the people's lives who did it to the extent that I was doing it and that led me to set up this gym sort of a week before I made regionals for the first time and Mm then I think we were talking about it earlier made regionals and placed 10th Mm. sort of almost sort of seven eight months into CrossFit Mm -hmm. I thought okay if I really knuckle down with this I can potentially have a decent decent crack at it and yeah, the next year qualified for the games um, and that kind of changed the scope of what I was doing with running my own facility and it sort of shifted focus more towards, I guess, an athletic career, if you'll call it that, um, within the CrossFit space, mm-hmm. uh, which has kind of come full circle now to the point where I am, um, I guess, yeah, now looking for what's sort of beyond the athletic side of things. Say later, lads. Um, and sort of exploring all those sorts of things, yeah, cool. at this point in time. Mm. Cool. So, we'll take it back right to the start. I mentioned, uh, I heard you mention that your parents made you play sport. Yeah. Were you, were you a sporty kid? Like, what do you mean? It's not a way not that you like normally negative, phrase it. Not in a negative way. That probably, the phrasing came out probably wrong. Not in a negative way. Just didn't Pushed you to be athletic and my try parents, everything. Well, it was, you know, rather than have us sit inside and play video games and stuff like that, I was always like, particularly when I was younger, I was quite a chubby kid and also like could be a little socially awkward. So my parents kind of had this whole, it was, it was more, more about getting us out of the house and teaching us that you had to, you know, be active and that, that yep. being, having an active lifestyle was just a part of life. So they'd put us into these team sports and stuff and summer and winter, we had to do one. We had to do something that was physically active because it was good for you. Yep. And that Makes was sense. kind of, I guess what, it wasn't like it was a negative thing. I, I luckily, you know, it took me a little while, but then I really took to the sports that I participated in. It used to be, it was pretty much footy all winter and then surf life-saving all summer. So and footy, then, you mean uh, you mean rugby, rugby union? Rugby union, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Gotcha. And I played uh, like a New South Wales country level and schools level in rugby and was competing at like a national level surf life-saving as well. Um, and that was all, yeah, I mean, that was good fun. And it did, it taught me that, you know, because I am a competitive person and I wanted to do well at them, that kind of gave me this drive and it taught me the importance of training. And it's interesting as well. I think it's funny like uh, becoming a bit of a sort of, I don't know, starting to read into more things like, you know, everything happens for a reason and there's all this sort of stuff. But I remember at primary school when I was less sort of sportingly inclined, I used to really pursue wanting to be you know, I, I had a real keen interest in the academic side of things and I mm-hmm. tried really hard at school and I sat a test and got into a selective high school for academic, like an academic high school and then went there and I went to this very small primary school where there were only a handful of kids in the grade and I actually, then once I got into this academic school, it was this kind of big fish in a little pond going to be this like little fish in a big pond where there were all these like genius level kids and I was just so overshadowed when it came to the academic side of things that I went, all right, well, 
I'm going to kind of go down the you know avenue of sport because I've always played sport. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of go down that avenue and that's going to be my thing that I mm. can really put my attention into. And then, yeah, that's where I guess I developed the passion for, I guess, fitness and training from. Yeah, but that makes sense. I suppose you're always going to kind of gravitate to, it's human nature to gravitate to something that you feel like you can excel at. You know what I mean? Everyone wants, to, everyone wants to end the day, um, you know, family, successful and achieved things. You know, you want to set your mind to something and, and go out and achieve it. So that's great. So you were, so you were, but you were working in journalism. So from school, you studied to so be a journalist. School, what, that was your plan or? Nah, so from school, I've, uh, I got all, like my head what runs at a hundred mile an hour and I always have like a different idea and I'm always doing 10 million things at once. And it's kind of been that way for as long as I can remember. And I sort of finished high school and kind of really wanted to travel, but then kind of didn't. I was seeing a girl at the time and she was at uni. So I was like, fuck, I'm going to go to you. There he is. I already dropped my first fuck. <laughs> then you I was the like, I'm gonna go. there we go. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go to uni. And so I went to uni and I was studying criminology and I got it. Like I got into that and started studying that. I'm not entirely sure what I wanted to do. I think I'd been watching a lot of CSI at that point in time. Good. And then I'm like, good show. <laughs> really good. Back in the day, the original, that's oh, CSI. I'm a, I love a gangster book. I used to have fucking panic attacks about that show. It's <laughs> oh. freaking me out. Just dead bodies. Yeah, right. I know, but it was like, and for some reason, because it was new, everyone's parents were like, no, it's okay. I know that you're a child and this is quite graphic, but because this is a new show and everyone's into it, you can watch it. <laughs> yeah. So you're sitting there going, fuck, I mean, I'm like, like all these people get killed all the time. Yeah. yeah. No, so we, um, that was, that was the, I lasted all of six months there and was like, why the fuck are you at university? You hated school at the end and all you wanted to do was go surfing. So dropped out of uni and I was lifeguarding full time. Uh, I was lifeguarding at the time professionally and so what is just so before we go on what does lifeguarding pay pays well if you're a full time like yeah. yeah I mean but it was only seven months of the year that I'd work so I'd yeah, work right. from September through to say end of April yep uh, or early May even I think it was usually the Anzac Day weekend we'd finish up yep um, so I'd work yeah I'd work that stint in time and it was a pretty good hourly rate for a young guy that's still living at home and that sort of stuff. So I had for sure. Money and sick lifestyle Definitely. too. I was sick mm. and then I'd finish. We'd go to Bali every year. I'd go to Bali, go surfing in the off season. But kind of that life, I guess the nature of person that I am is I get very stale and very stagnant very quickly and that fucks with my head a lot. And so I found myself, like that was cool for kind of a year and mm-hmm. then I found myself in a bit of a rut, like I guess sort of, um, mentally because I, I felt that I was just completely understimulated. Mm-hmm. And so I started, which I still do, um, just spending hours and hours and hours reading about fitness and training mm. and that sort of thing. And that became like this kind of passion of mine, particularly when I was, I mean, in the off season, when I wasn't overseas, I effectively did not have a job. Uh, I was living off money that I would save in the season. So I'd wake up at like, whatever out whatever whenever i wanted to and kind of all i had to do in a day was maybe go and work out and as i'd go and work out or, and then i'd spend hours at my computer i'd listen to podcasts i'd read things sounds like a videos. really Sick fucking life. good gig yeah well it does <laughs> but like at the it. same time i found myself i said as i said i found myself completely understimulated by that lifestyle and then uh made the decision to move to sydney so uh, where were you at this stage i'm still on the central coast that's where i grew up gotcha mm. And yeah, sort of moved to Sydney and um, thought I'd pursue, maybe pursue a career in the fitness industry, but I dipped my toe in that world and hated it so much mm. that I was like adamant that I was never going to work in that industry. Mm. That's such Some a, of it sucks, hey? It's just a fucked industry, man. Yeah. Like there's so much, it's, oh, I don't know, could talk for hours. I actually, so um, I I actually felt it's wrong v- with it, very, very much the same. I was always wanted something in the fitness industry and then 
I don't actually CrossFit anymore. Mm. Adventure Fit just engulfed my life and then competitively, I'm a weightlifter. Tommy loves it when I say that because I say it every show. Every apparently. single show. <laughs> what, what are you a gamer? What are you doing? I'm a, I'm a weightlifter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Competitive get a, get weightlifter. A, competitive get a, weightlifter. Get around it. But, Pick up things off the ground. But in all seriousness though, until I found CrossFit, I didn't like the fitness industry either. Mm. I literally thought mm. this niche, I found it and I was like, wow, this actually fucking works. The community aspect is awesome and it, you know, that's when I actually entered the fitness industry. Well, I don't necessarily think there's... I mean, this is where like those CrossFit purists out there probably shoot me for this, but I don't necessarily think it's CrossFit so much as just, I guess, the advancement of the fitness industry at the time that I kind of dipped my toes in was still completely overrun by this mentality that bodybuilding and yep. figure mm. modeling and stuff like that was how you trained. You did mm. four sets of 10 and you superseted everything and that's how you got it. And I was like, this is fucked. I don't want to be this big hulking dude and I don't want to be working in an industry where you're kind of put on this godlike pedestal if you are this ripped up hulking, 100%. sort of massive human yeah. even if you have no concept of, of how to actually train someone yeah, have you right. been to the health and fitness expos before you do you yeah, competed yeah I've been down there a few oh, times so we've done the adventure fit have been there a couple of times and the ones that we haven't set up a store at we've just I've gone there and walked around the health and fitness expo in <laughs> Melbourne and Sydney is the furthest fucking thing from health and fitness yeah. Like you're looking at extremes. Figure modeling for for mine, I don't like it at all. I really can't get my head around it. Bodybuilding on the other side, the other side, powerlifting, like it's not fitness. And you have to say that because there's no weightlifting there, though. There is weightlifting. <laughs> there, there is a bit of weightlifting. There's weightlifting there. Now. That Rob was running. Yeah, I've been to the one with Rob. Like pretty good friends. Like Rob's a good mate of mine, and I went down and hosted with him the last one that he ran. And it was just like an intermediate one, but he ran like a like an actual sort of invitational one last year that was pretty sick. But um. Yeah, right. But I think there is a paradigm shift occurring. Today, I had a meeting this morning with the head of fitness in New South Wales for Fitness First Clubs yep. about going in and doing him asking me. It's quite a funny story. I was sitting at a coffee shop having breakfast. And so this guy walked past and I saw him kind of double take and then back around in. And I was like, oh, what's this, what's this guy's deal? Yeah. So he came up. He's like, Khan. I was like, yeah. And he's like, you may not remember me, but I sat next to you uh, at this health and fitness expo. We got chatting. I've actually been meaning to get a hold of you. i fitness manager at fitness first and would you be interested in coming in and doing some seminars and some workshops like upskilling our pts on i guess functional fitness training from your perspective and i was like fuck that's a pretty massive kind of Huge shift thing to get, yeah. for fitness first to be kind of approaching someone that has particularly someone with no you know no interest in fitness first the brand or working at fitness first but mm. yeah so i sort of thought that was pretty cool um it's good that they're to open that to that sort of yeah, training. Yeah, exactly right. Because they're you know, the majority still, of the industry as well. Really, well, CrossFit's yeah. the minority of the yeah, industry right. and functional yeah. fitnesses. Yeah. But you're right about that paradigm shift. I mean, you know, you have to look at the, the past couple of health and fitness expos and there's definitely a lot more people just watching and seeing what the CrossFitters do mm. as opposed to, I mean, they still, there were still huge crowds at the bodybuilding and the sculpting and all that sort of stuff. But people are starting to sort of have a look at, you know, what all these uh, tattooed rip people are doing. <laughs> it's good. Me definitely being one of them. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so, so, all right, so let's go into, so you've finished your, uh, finished your studies, your journalism, then you've started competing in CrossFit, I suppose. Yeah. What, um, at what point did you realize, right, I'm going to, I'm going to really take this seriously. Obviously you said your first, your first crack at it, you kind of made regionals, I suppose after that point, was it like, right, I'm going to upskill my game. I'm going to, I'm going to try and hit it harder now. When I finished 10th that first year, I think looking back on that, if I looked at, you know, I didn't deadlift at all because I had a back injury and I'd been told because that was kind of what you were told at the time by doctors and sports professionals, don't deadlift because that will hurt your back more. 
So I hadn't deadlifted and that workout came up with 21.15.9 heavy deadlifts. So I was already fucked then. And I was like, well, okay, maybe if you deadlift for a bit, you might have been able to go better in that workout. So there's a bit of an improvement there. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know how to do muscle-ups without a false grip. So I was like, if you can actually learn to do a proper kipping muscle-up without a false grip, that's probably going to help you as well. Uh, so there's another event that you could have gone better on and improved your, like, your placing. And I think I kind of saw that there were just so many holes in my game as an athlete um, that I was still, and I was still able to place where I did that I thought, you know what, if you actually learn the, like refine the skills, if you will, and have yourself that you're a lot more rounded next year, you're already pretty fit. Pardon me again. You're already pretty fit. You're already pretty good at most. What is of that the beer you're drinking, mate? Stonewood. <laughs> nice little Stonewood. Yeah, it's good. Oh, it's that good. I yeah. don't know if Stonewood. I assume Stonewood's listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and if that's right. Yeah, well, they are www.stonewood.com. Yeah. Yeah. If there is anyone from Stonewood out here, I drink a lot of your beer. And if you would look, like to send me a couple of free cases, I'm not going to turn it down. Stonewood, hashtag Stonewood. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wouldn't it be great? When is beer going to start sponsoring athletes? Probably never. You should sponsor. You can be the first fitness. Things shouldn't they? I reckon that'd be good well, because you can just go. Oh yeah, we like to relax just as much as we to play. Exactly right. And at every every single competition that I go to, and I'm not sure if this is just because I'm at those competitions, there is always some sort of after event <laughs> yeah. in which there is beer consumed. Yeah. Probably selling and I'm to you, mate. Spearheading that kind of beer consumed. Right. Right. We got are, are you sponsored by um, a games a gaming company? Uh, it's not a sponsorship. I have an agent, and she's fantastic. And she has got me a kind of a setup with Ubisoft, and yeah. so Ubisoft, the gaming company, they'll have uh, done a couple of campaigns for them now. And it's not like I guess a specific sponsorship. It's more I just do campaigns for them based around them releasing a new game and me coming up with a workout for that game. And That's it. Then oh, right. they come and shoot, you know, me doing that workout, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and you know, take some photos of me playing the game. It's actually mm. kind of cool because it's like cool. neat it's kind of like um, yeah, like kind of crossing over to the mainstream a little bit as well. Because mm. that's a lot of people that wouldn't have seen a CrossFit two. A and two, or A and B, A and B, preferably. That's all right. We can mix it up. We can mix it up. Here. We don't discriminate between numbers like that. Is on this show. I like to keep you guys show for everybody. That's how we do things. But, um, What's in that water, mate? Is that stone wood in that water? Let's go. Yeah. All right, let's go back to all right. So you, so you, you're competing at this stage. I love a tangent. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that. I, I get the feeling, I get the feeling that's not the first or the last. No, there's going to be some <laughs> serious tangents. I get the feeling that's not the first. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, can't. So at that point when you, you've started the regionals, what, what was the training look like? How many hours a day? And then when you decided... If this is leading up to my first regionals or from the first regionals? Yeah. Uh, leading up to the first regionals, is it just one what just a day? You start, just regular... No, I was basically just training as much as I could. I would... Uh, it was kind of that period in time where Outlaws programming was seen as the pinnacle of what you were meant to do because apparently you needed to be really, really good at all the Olympic lifts yep. to be able to be good at CrossFit. So I actually devoted a shit ton of time to getting my snatch and my clean and jerk better. And then at regionals, there was neither the snatch nor the clean and jerk, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Um, so that was kind of, that made up a huge, because I'd never Olympic lifted. I'd never strength trained at, per se when I started CrossFit. I'd never done, you know, like a back squatter twice a week and then snatched and clean and yep. jerked. You know, I learned those movements. I walked into a CrossFit gym and I could kind of just reef 80 kilos off the floor in a snatch and land in this bizarre starfish position, which I still kind of end up in when I'm snatching yeah. heavy and I'm going power, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I just had this. So that was, that was a lot of my training. And then I just love working out, man. I just love doing Metcons. Mm-hmm. And at this point in time, I wasn't one of those all beat up, haggard, 
old CrossFit guys, and we call me an old CrossFit guy now, um, <laughs> that has, you know, creaky knees and elbow tendonitis, like tendonitis and has to kind of manage their injuries. I was young and I was, I was new to the sports. So I just trained, dude. I mm. just go, there's no reason that I can't go 21, 15, 9 calories on a roller and burpees now. There's no reason that I can't do that. It's not going to leave me beat up. It's not yeah. going to tax me. There's no reason that I can't. And I think these kind of mentalities that I had around training have really shaped the way that I've kind of packaged up what I do, I guess now, which is the methodology to my, uh, the method behind my training, which is effectively what I've packaged up when I, when I do my online coaching and when I do the seminars and stuff and why I have this, I guess, uh, replicate like, you know, this model that can be replicated that I can go and pitch to companies like fitness first and stuff like that, because there is a, there is a system to what I'm doing. But at that point in time, it was just get, get, get training in, man. Just train yep. as much as you can. And, and anytime I do classes and stuff, and I just basically, if I was in a class, I had to scale up the workout and I had to win. And that was just the mentality that I had. And mm. so that was just this scattergun approach and it paid off as it did. But then after regionals, I kind of started to structure things more. And I started to work with a coach, um, Drew Griffith, who's Coach RX, who's mm-hmm. on the Gold Coast. And he's yep. great. I'm still great, good friends with Drew. Um, he coaches Tia, so like yeah, a okay. relative, relatively yeah. successful. Yeah. Yeah. He coaches Olympians. Yeah, that's some, right. some chick named Tia Claire Toomey, that may be the second fittest woman in the world. Yeah. Maybe going to Rio. Yeah, in and he's also an Olympian now. Yeah. What a which freak is, oh, athlete, is man. So that's insane. Cool. You know, Dude, it's my, great my, um, for the sport in general, and it's great for Australian CrossFit too. Mm. One of my mates said the other day uh, in, the, in my weightlifting club, said he wasn't happy with the fact that Tia was going to the Games because she's not uh, weightlifting isn't her number one sport. Mm. And I was like, why don't you look at it as in how I say sucked in? (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. But uh, what about how how about what an athlete to be Mm, that good good and be able to make yourself an Olympian as well as the CrossFit Games? To go to the CrossFit Games and a couple of weeks later go and lift at the Olympics. A couple of weeks after last year's CrossFit Games, I couldn't lift myself off the floor. She did it last year too. She went to the Games, came second, and then two weeks later or two weeks prior, she went to the, um, it wasn't the Olympics obviously, but it was the Pan... Pacifics, is it? Yeah, no, the um, the Austral- whatever the Australasian Games, and she yeah. came second there. I think mm. it was a fucking international weightlifting meet. It's insane. It's a freak, it's freak. athlete, absolute freak. Anyway, freak athlete. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was working. So I was working with Drew, and um, like we just the biggest thing was one we started to do a lot more refining, but we started to systemize how we I guess progressed every facet of fitness. So whether it was my skills, whether it was my strength, whether it was my conditioning, it wasn't just that kind of, you know, I couldn't do a kipping muscle up. So I kind of spent, sorry, I sort of just after regionals, I sort of spent about 12 weeks on my own before I started working with the coach going, I want to bring all these skills up to par until I feel like I'm, I'm sort of a bit more rounded, then I'll go with the coach. And so one of the things was, oh, well, I can do zero, like kipping muscle up. I can do one kipping muscle up with a non-false grip. Cool. I'll do one kipping muscle up every minute for 10 minutes. And then the mm-hmm. next week's like, okay, now I'll do two for as many minutes as I can link them together and then I'll just go back to one. Yeah. And I was like, sweet, I can do three, I can do four, I can do five. Sweet, I've got to five five kipping muscle ups every minute for 10 minutes. It's like, oh, sweet, like my muscle ups are now significantly better mm. and I'm pretty confident that I can do them with without a false grip. So let's look at the next skills that I need to do. I, start, I did a deadlift program. Um, the, the boys at the gym actually just did the exact same deadlifting program that I put myself on, which was based off there's this... I was looking around at different sort of three-day-a-week lifting programs and there's one called the Russian Squat Program. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wonder if I can do this with deadlifts. And I did and I got like epic, epic, epic results from that. My ability to deadlift just 
turned for me not being able to deadlift at all to within it's like a six week program six weeks later my deadlift was you know pretty pretty solid yeah yeah, yeah. And i mean obviously i've been pulling from the floor with a snatch and the clean and jerk but i just hadn't devoted time and then i started working with drew mm. though and we sort of went into the so, and he was great like phenomenal for my for my training having some structure and having someone i was accountable to um and then i went and did schwartz's and i placed quite well at schwartz's i think i placed fifth and uh, again still with things that they tested a max handstand hold. I'd never tried the hold a handstand. I competed before. that Schwartz's actually. Did you? Yeah, because I remember the max handstand hold in two minutes yeah, in the square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could walk yeah. around, and I could, I could barely man. walk. I thought you said you were a weightlifter. <laughs> yeah, hang on a second. We're starting to backtrack hang here. On. Hang on. No, but he also doesn't discriminate between his numbers and his letters. He doesn't discriminate between yeah, that's right. and that's weightlifting. That's very true. Yeah. A jack of all trades. <laughs> a two. And um, that's the quote of the episode. I think. Yeah, <laughs> a two, a or two. Yeah. I feel like I've done that so many times. So it's that's that's probably the dumbest thing I've said on is the uh, on the on the podcast. That's not a spoonerism, is it? That's not a, a that's not called a spoonerism. A spoonerism? Is it? <laughs> no, isn't it like a spoonerism? Like when you do that? Or no? I, that's the first yeah, time I've heard so. the word spoonerism. Oh, really? Yeah. I, oh man. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll, let's, we'll let's not yeah. do a yeah. tangent about Spoonerism. Sorry. Let's, well, no, no, I'm genuinely intrigued yeah. as to what I'm Spoonerism I'm means. Um, you look that up while we get back to Schwartz's. <laughs> but so, yeah, I, I think I placed fifth at that Schwartz's competition. But again, there was like a bunch of things that he tested there that I'd never really done before. And I also uh, still do had a massive issue with pacing. I didn't know how to pace workouts. Yep. I would just go out guns blazing get really excited. and just hold on. And that doesn't work when you're versing people like Rob Forte, who's paced, who's the master of pacing workouts. You'd be like, why was I beating him by so much? And now he's ahead of me. Mm. Um, but it was, a, it was a massive confidence boost to be sitting, you know, up there with the big dogs at that event, you know, beating some of the boys in some of the events as well. Mm-hmm. So then going into regionals 2014, I 100% did not think I was going to make the games. I had no aspirations to make the games. The programming came out they had a handstand walk for max distance. I sucked on my hands. And I remember thinking, okay, what people are going to get maybe one length of the thing. Someone that's really good will be able to walk one length. Yeah. We were the second week. And I remember watching the first week and looking at the numbers and being like, this doesn't make sense. Like there's got to be, how are they scoring this? That can't be how far they've walked in total. That's like three lengths that people yeah. are doing unbroken. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized that was, I went and watched the workouts. I was like, I'm fucked. Like I'm so <laughs> fucked. I can, I'm not going to make a full That's the one that killed Sam Briggs too. Yeah, that did. Yeah. That's right. And I was, I think I came 30th in that. So, I mean, I, and I PR'd my hand. So I made like a yeah. hundred foot. So I almost made a full length. And um, I think I was sitting 19th after that. And as I said, just no, no part of me thought I was going to go to the games. Drew just sort of said, I'll make sure you win um, the next one. It was that Nasty Girls. And weirdly, because I'm not anymore, so I've had that many knee injuries, I was really good at pistols when I started CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, a pistol workout and pistols and muscle-ups. Obviously, I've been working my muscle-ups heaps. And yeah, I was able to win that and it pushed me up into sixth. And I kind of looked at the rest of the workouts for the weekend and thought, oh, like, I'm not too bad at any of this sort of stuff here, like, you know, I could could give this a crack. Mm. And then, yeah, I mean, overhead squats, I suck, but they were the final workout. Um, and I just had to sort of hold, like do that mistake free. And yeah, when I qualified for the games that year, I was yeah, pretty blown away. Like I kind of didn't expect it and I loved it. Like it was awesome. It kind of changed my scope a little bit. And then all of a sudden, um, for better or worse, I started to define myself as, as an athlete and that was kind of what I wanted, I guess, to pursue was, was, was an athletic career. And it became, you know, from a pipe dream to a, to a reality that there was this potential for me to do that. And, um, yeah. So, mm. cool, cool. Yeah. 
I just wanted to ask before. Yeah, you mentioned you said you had um, a lot of knee injuries. How is your body managing now? And like, how do you how do you take that? I guess new approach to managing everybody going into this year's touch time? wood. This is probably the best my body's been in quite some time. Um, I still have like you know, knee issues that flare up here and there. I had a tear, like tore my patella tendon last year. Well, not a full tear, but a partial tear. My patella tendon uh, from the games last year. Yep. And that kind of took me until, I wasn't really squatting until sort of mid-January this year. And I was only training. I think one of the best things that ever happened to me was being so banged up after the games that it really stopped me. I couldn't train as much. And I was sort of only training like three full days a week uh, I guess up until the end of the open. I mean, right through the open and stuff as right. well. I was training full, like three full days, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, then I'd swim on a Tuesday with some of the boys from the gym. And I would then maybe do like a Metcon on the Saturday. But I wouldn't, you know, it would depend if I went out Friday night, I wouldn't train Saturday. But I would just train, mm-hmm. train yep. Saturday morning. And um, that kind of more chilled approach to my volume particularly and... I was so limited in what I could do. Like I was just a lot of assault bike, a lot of rowing and stuff and a lot of skill work. And um, yeah, that, that, that period of lower volume did wonders for my body combined with the fact that I work with uh, balance, health and performance. It's just a blatant plug right there. That's what that was. But they're actually fantastic. <laughs> Nick from balance is really, really good. He and I, I've been seeing him twice a week. Uh, seeing him in a professional manner. Every week. He's not back to that first part of the song. <laughs> All the single ladies, remember uh, the song? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so we've been, I've, I've been going there twice a week and seeing him and some of the other people there. And it's great. Like it, um, that sort of consistent treatment has, uh, combined with the lower volume and just smarter training, man. I think yep. I've just gotten smarter with, you know, CrossFit's an evolving sport and my th- approach to training and my approach to how to train effectively has changed uh to meet the demands of that sport and yeah it's just it just sees my body in a better position now particularly Mm. in the lead up to the games i was pretty broken going into the games last two years it's uh it's funny when we spoke to rob he said that this year or this season he's had probably more days off than he's ever had and he feels like he's in a better place than Mitch, he's Mitch ever Cinnamon as well yeah Mitch we, said that as well didn't we he? interviewed Mitch Cinnamon who's obviously trained at Schwartz's for yeah. a good portion of his training career and you know there's so many people that have spent five or six hours a day training mm-hmm. but Mitch is, he's been in that period and then now he's back to kind of one good two hour session he'll break that up sometimes so he'll just squat he'll do an hour then he'll do some Recovery Something stuff, and, and then yeah. he'll do another hour. And Loves he's getting recovery stuff. Yeah. And he just sauna, his and flotation. Tank. He just qualified to the games for the first time. So, yeah. what does it look like now for you then? After years of experience, after how old are you now? Twenty six. Twenty six. So, couple of extra years in the body. Obviously, um, I'm thirty. I know it actually changes. Like twenty two, I could do anything. Seventeen, yeah. I used to play three or four fo- games of footy, school footy in a week. Oh be, yeah, it's crazy. You play three or four games of footy in a day. Yeah, no shit. It wouldn't it wouldn't affect you at all. And then. Now it's totally different. I'm 30. It's different. I know how the body changes. Man, so how for you does it does it how does it look now, volume wise? Um, I mean, I, I just I just honestly just go. I feel like I work with Justin, who I know you guys interviewed as well. Kotline, he sends me programming, which I stick to. I don't know. I guess I'd say maybe like 60%. Yep. 50, 60%. But then I'll also just go by feel. If I have, if uh, Monday this week, I trained like three times, did like seven workouts and just felt awesome all day. So I did that. 
today I feel like shit. Like I told you guys when I came in, I just finished up a workout. I squatted terribly. I did five rounds of a seven round workout, like interval workout and didn't feel that great. I'll, I'll gauge it if I feel decent this afternoon. I might do another Metcon, but it will be just like 10 minutes of Metcon, movements that aren't going to hurt me, mm-hmm. movements that aren't going to tax my central nervous system, my joints. And it's just that kind of intuitive training now as well um, becomes so important to being able to, I guess, yeah, stay functional. And that's, that's the biggest difference now is I... Yeah, training, that sort of intuitive training, I guess, more than anything else. So when you say stay functional... Obviously, like rehab and looking after your body is a pretty big part of it as well, especially when you are right at the top of CrossFit, for example, because it's so hard on your body, so much volume. So what do you do for um, keeping your body supple, keeping your... uh Keeping your your ability to back it up in the gym. What do you do? What are your practices that you so I'm like kind to of get up to? Blessed and cursed with hypermobility through a lot of my joints. Mm-hmm. Um, that I mean, it's great for some things. It's great for the fact that if you, you know, I could roll out of bed first thing in the morning barefoot and hop down to the bottom of a pistol, but yep. it's also terrible. And I can do the splits. Not really. <laughs> Pretty close <laughs> to it. Um, but it's also... Side or front? Pardon? Side or front? Side. The yeah, practical good. way. The good way. The only, <laughs> way. way. The only way. The only way that counts. That's right. Um, but I can also... But then it also means that I lack control at the end range in most range, in most movements. Mm-hmm. So for me, if you watch when I do really heavy jerks or cleans or snatches and stuff, I often look quite wobbly. Yep. Uh, which is because those joints, you know, for me, if I'm overhead and my arm is slightly in front of my head, I don't really get a stretch sensation until it's kind of almost completely turned around full exorcist style at the yeah. back there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I'm kind of, you know, I've gotten a lot better at working on those stability type things and that kind of causes, a, puts a lot of stress on the joints. So I don't necessarily do a, a, a huge amount of, I guess, like your typical mobility because a lot of that is almost counterproductive for me. Yeah. Um, I've taken to, I do do a fair bit of static stretching now. Um, my buddy Matt uh, Healy, he started static stretching and was telling me how good it felt. And so I've just started a lot more static stretching in the areas that I'm not super mobile through. Um, but then do a lot of sort of act, the more activation, stabilization and stuff like that. But then, oh man, just, I relax. Like okay. I just, mm. I think for me, the biggest thing that I need to work on recovery wise is my mind it's like getting that to sort of chill out and stop and it's something that i like have like full clinical issues with but i'm able to kind of like i've taken particularly the last few months just just getting out of the gym not putting pressure on myself when it comes to training doing training intuitively rather than what i have to do on a piece of paper absolutely doing what feels good rather than what like um you know oh fuck my leg, you know, my legs are still getting back to where they used to be because I didn't squat from you know, August through to January. Uh, but instead of being stressed about that and consistently starting these hectic squat programs that three days in would leave my knees banged up, I'm just like, well, if you can't squat that good at the games, guess what? You're not going to do that great in the squat events. Like if you get a little bit better at squatting between now and the games, the other guy's already great at squatting. You, you might go, instead of coming 20th in that event, you might come 15th or 18th. You know, you'll make six different points. However, if your knees are non-functioning for the entire weekend, then all of a sudden there's events that you could potentially do really well at that you're going to lose yeah, points at. Definitely. For sure. And if your brain's fried through a six-month oh, period of training and you put too much pressure on yourself, you're useless frustra- to anyone. It's just frustrating. You know? It is frustrating. Like for, there was a period of time, like we were saying, I guess we stopped at kind of 2014. 2015 came around, regional. I was just in such a shitty place mentally because, you know, I had this, 
I had a fucked back end of the, the year 2014. I had a bunch of shit going on in my personal life. And then a bunch of shit at the start of 2015 as well. And like I was in like a legitimately terrible place mentally, like a terrible, terrible place. You can ask anyone that I'm close to. I almost pulled out of regionals 2015, the week mm. of, because I had such hectic shit going on in my personal life that I was... And because I had all this... Pr- a lot of... Not all of it, but then some of it was added to by this pressure that I'd put on myself that, you know, you made the CrossFit games last year. You must make the CrossFit games again this year. If you don't make the CrossFit games this year, well, You're what the fuck? Like, how, like, what do you do? Yep. And um, yeah, I was just in such a, such a bad way. And I think even off the back of the games, like the frustration that went with not being able to train properly and stuff like that. And just all the shit you go through and you kind of learn about yourself when you're not able to do you know, to do what a, what I think uh, 2015, it wasn't something that I loved anymore. It was, I saw it as a chore, mm. you know, this beautiful thing that had been this, this outlet for me. And this is this kind of positive thing uh, on my sort of mental, I guess, mental health was, was now a source of frustration and a source of a, a difficulty because I wasn't enjoying it. And, you know, it became, especially off the back of the games and stuff being injured, it became like, I couldn't, this thing that used to be a positive outlet became a negative and therefore like what else have you got to do? So I was just partying and like yep. drinking and shit and that was kind of my only, like that was my outlet. Yeah. And when training used to be, used to be your outlet. Used to be to be. And now I'm at this point in time where I'm incredibly lucky that I'm injury, f- I'm training, I'm able to train the full spectrum for the first time in as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Like I can squat when I want to squat. I can pull from the floor when I want to pull. I can go overhead. Like I can, my whole body is working yep. to the extent that I'm able to train. I can get center program and I can do it. I don't have to be like, oh, my knees are too banged up. I can't squat consistently. And you know, my body's in a good place and it's so nice and I'm enjoying training so much. I kind of set myself that goal after regionals, particularly this year. Uh, I remember this year, like sitting in sixth after day two, I never found myself outside the top qualifying position going into day three. Every, the last two years I'd qualified. Yep. Particularly last year, me and Rob were so far ahead that it was kind of, I got to take my foot off the pedal, mm-hmm. the accelerator to an extent on the final day. Um, which was which was lovely, but at the same time, so I found myself in this position. I was like, "Well, you can't take it for granted anymore. Like the fact that you're going to the games is a, is is a, is a gift and a privilege, and it's something that should be enjoyed. Particularly the training for it. I mean, I get to do cool shit. I get to go and like paddle a board or go for mm, a run sure. through the bush and like just you to come in out. and hang out with your mates and yeah. put some fun do music it, on. So you you obviously you see it on your Instagram and your social medias. People are drawn to you, I think, because. You have fun w- with what you're doing. Well, that's you don't the take yourself too seriously. Out in the post, you, you don't take yourselves too seriously, you know. And that's what—that's like me walking into the gym. It's my happy place, hundred mm. percent. And I, I used to have a football club. Now I have a weightlifting club. And it's—but like you say, when there's times that I've been through as well with football, with weightlifting, with whatever, when it becomes a chore, and then you're like, well, where the fuck's my happy place now? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. And Definitely. I do like I like that. You talked about it when you did your intro thing. That Beyonce single ladies video exists for the pure like the. So- I didn't create that video to put on Instagram. I didn't go, I'm going to do a dance and then I'm going to lift that bar. This that is going to go viral. That was me rolling the camera, filming a lift and I'd been dancing around the gym anyway and I just danced on over, lifted the bar and then danced off. Like That's just how yeah. we would train. And the thing was, when I say that training was a negative, it wasn't always. There were sessions like that that were just awesome and things felt good and I was having fun 
But then as soon as anything kind of went wrong and the frustration of having these ongoing injuries took place, that's when I would just start to beat myself up mentally as well. And it just became a negative. So like right now, man, it's just awesome. I'm loving training. I have absolutely no expectation on how I'm going to go at the games. I, you know, I don't, um, like I have no desire. I'm not going to win the CrossFit game. I'll tell you that right now. I'll probably never win it because I don't have that pressing desire mm. to win it. I just want to enjoy the opportunity that I have to represent myself, my gym, my country, uh, and all the, the uh, my fans and followers, I guess, if you will, uh, like on the world stage doing something I love. And the opportunity that I get, the opportunities they get off the back of that to then, you know, to, to, to go over and like it's 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 fucking exercise at the yeah, end yeah. of the day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's fast exercise. exercise. It's, fast it's fast really exercise. fast. <laughs> it, it, sometimes it's quick. I'm yeah, it's quick sometimes it's quick really slow though as well. Sometimes it's really slow and tedious. There's yeah. like people running on a treadmill for eight minutes is not that enjoyable. No. Um, <laughs> That's the thing though. You know, um, you said it really well just then. I mean, the best people in the world are the best people in the world because they're fucking obsessed about it. Yeah. And, irrespective of whether they enjoy the process or not, it doesn't matter. They yeah. have to win. I mean, I'm just reading Michael Jordan's book at the moment and he was a dickhead for a lot of it because he just had to win and there was just no other side to it. I really wanted to touch on the point you were talking about, about finding that mental relaxation and all that sort of stuff. Are there exactly any sort of... exactly what I was about to you just going to jump into well. that one? I'm going to jump in there first. No, go, go. No, <laughs> Are there any sort of... You can both jump into me. We'll jump in the same. Yeah, this right, is yeah. really starting We're not seeing each other. We're not seeing each other. Everybody, uh, pants are all still on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to, to hit home about some of the things you, you may do. I mean, Bill and I are um, super into meditating and all that sort of stuff. Do you... Do you meditate? Do you do mindfulness? Do you do you, do you have a specific thing that works for you to 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 relax, to switch off? So, I I don't. I've tried meditation and I've tried mindfulness. Um, I'm somatically diagnosed with bipolar and severe severe anxiety. So for me to switch off, it's kind of if I try to sit there and meditate. So I've like my anxiety is so severe and like my par- partners that I've had in the stuff in the past and. Like family will tell you, if I'm trying to go to, there's times where I won't get to sleep until like seven in the morning. I just don't sleep. And the more I try to relax, the less relaxed I get. So I really have to do things to stimulate myself, but in a pretty simple way to switch off. And that's for me, like quite, quite, I'm still figuring out how to do that. Like there are times and there's awesome moments where I can really chill out but med meditation and mindfulness i wish i could sit here and go yeah like it's beautiful mm. and, you know i've tried it i've tried fucking i've tried apps i've tried mm. every sort of thing under the sun and it it doesn't work like i don't switch off like mm. I, 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 it, the more i try to meditate and clear my mind the more my mind just goes well, we're not doing anything right now the more frustrated <laughs> but, uh, the more frustrated you get fuck you up. yeah and then yeah. like everything just goes to shit i think wow so Some of the best things that I've found is like I like conversation is just something so simple like having a conversation with someone where you just get so immersed in that person, you know, and it can be, you know, when you get, when I talk about getting immersed into a per like anything where you become completely immersed in a moment. And for me, there is a beautiful, there is a beautiful thing that happens before I compete. And I can't, I've tr- sometimes it happens in the gym, but very rarely. And it's that kind of point in time before, um, 
Like when you're in the start mat in a competition and they say athletes stand by, from when they say athletes stand by to go, you are completely and totally invested in nothing but what's about to present. happen. Yep, you're yeah. present, totally present. So irrespect, and, and it's a task at hand. It's not, you're not invested in trying to relax. You're invested in a task that you have to take part in immediately following them saying go. So when that, that point in time is one of the beautiful things, you know, and I get, you know, you know, I love, you know, there's been definitely uh, destructive ways that I've sort of sought out trying to, to switch things off in my head, you know, be that, you know, alcohol or partying or even like, you know, chicks, like there's, there's been destructive means of doing that. But yeah, I guess I'm still trying to figure out. I do. I love listening to, I've sort of recently started listening to podcasts, reading, and I still write. I mean, if you scroll through the notes section of my phone, there is just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things that I've just written. Because sometimes when my head's going so fast, I'll just stream of consciousness, put it onto paper. Mm, and definitely. that actually sometimes really helps calm me down and it gives me something to focus. So if anything, that would be, fuck, I guess that's probably the main one. But yeah, it's super I don't know. unique to, to you as well. Yeah, I mean, awesome. and if you read some of the stuff, you'd probably go, fuck, someone needs to put this bloke in a bin, like a loony <laughs> bin. But some of it's actually quite you know, beautiful and but, poetic as well. But that's yep. part of the, see, it's myself and Tommy have both struggled with anxiety as well yeah. Tommy Tommy has um, he, he can explain it. he has totally different anxiety me me, it's social anxiety I feel like uh, I'm going to say something stupid in the room yeah. um, somebody's bigger and more boisterous than me I go into my shell and I start thinking things over the, Tommy's is different things like death and stuff yeah but, probably but, more probably more like irrational fears um, yeah. that have just engulfed me a lot and um, you know things where it's like I kind of felt when I, when I was going through the worst of it it was kind of like Ooh, I, I don't feel like I can open up about this to anyone because it's so, so silly. bizarre. Like, why would but, I have a fear about like eternal suffering after so that, death and ghosts? And that is things. such a such a kind of prevalent. That's a huge thing that I've really shifted what I want to do with. I guess the platform that I've been given through being an athlete. And when I said before um, we sort of stopped, it's just exercise, and there's more to that. I'm realizing now that the thing that this this has given me isn't a mechanism, you know, going to the games isn't a means for me of winning the CrossFit Games. It's a means for me being able to like reach out and speak to people about things like mm. mental health, mm. particularly in guys. We're like, you just nailed it. You don't want to talk about that because you see it as being somehow emasculating. Mm. And yet all of a sudden you've got these guys competing in this really sort of hyper-masculine sport they go, no, it's actually okay to be fucking not okay. Fragile. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know what? The, what I was meaning to touch on with, with um, before um, we got on a little tangent again is with, with your um, journaling or whatever, putting your notes in, it's like when you go and speak to someone about this fears that you have inside your head and you verbalize it or you write it down and you look mm. at it and you go, fuck, that is silly. Yeah. You know, you being able to read it and see it in words and, or speak it to somebody else and actually... You, it puts it into perspective and you go, why the fuck am I really thinking like that? And it can kind yeah. of alleviate the pressure a little bit. But it almost and removes you. For me, I feel like sometimes it, it, it can be as simple as a lot of my particular, my anxiety is kind of twofold. It's like that sort of social and, and people sort of have this perception that I'm this really outgoing. You have the exact like, same perception as me. Chatting, <laughs> people, <laughs> chatting, we all have the same thing. People, people are like, oh my God, you never would have thought I'm like, yeah. Yeah, but you don't know yeah. inside fucking my head. And, like, and often people will come across and go like, you're actually quite rude and quite arrogant. And I'm like, I'm not. I just, I feel uncomfortable. I, I might do this know, because I'm, I might know I said, someone. Can't. I've listened to, I've just cut you off. I had the same thing happen to me. I've been called arrogant 
plenty of times once. We spoke about this on the we show. We spoke about this on the podcast because I didn't wave to somebody on the yeah. other side of the road when I was little. And what was going through my head is, oh, I wonder if they're going to wave. I wonder if they can see me. Yes, oh, they didn't see me. I used to avoid going to like shopping centers and stuff where I knew I might see people I kind of know. Yeah. Because then I'd be in that awkward situation yeah, where I was like, don't know oh, do I, do I make conversation with this person? But my conversation, what if it's weird? Like, what if the conversation is weird and they think I'm weird? So I would like purposefully remove myself from that. Or I would like go, like I've had people say before, I like go to a friend's gym or something like that and maybe like not introduce, like not go and introduce myself or go and say hello and stuff to people that I may have met once or twice before. But what they don't want to say is like, I'm super duper shy like that and always have been. And it's this kind of like, yeah, people's perception is, you know, people create these perceptions. And then once those perceptions exist as well and you're aware of these perceptions people have of you, Fuck that! Just it makes resonates around and around. And around <laughs> oh, and around. You're like, fuck. Now am I even more weird because yeah. I'm not speaking to them? And now I'm awkwardly making conversations yeah, to make right. myself not seem arrogant. Yeah, it's fuck. It's this vicious cycle. But oh, it's this sure. thing that, like, we're all sitting here talking about the same thing, and it's something that I'm so passionate about because there are probably hundreds of people listening to this going, fuck, I feel like that as well, but have never even opened their mouths about it mm-hmm. because they think it sounds so illogical and stupid. We, we idolize these figures of, mas- of traditional masculinity that ha- exude this confidence and they've got everything going for them and all their ducks are in a row and they're so self-confident, like self well, we, we, we look at still images or, or, yeah, or, well, or 48 minutes of play or two hours of... We see that of those people as yeah. well. Yeah, you know, exactly it's the right. Same, it's the same fucking problem. You don't see inside of their head and what, what they've and been... And you, 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 I guess you make up what they what you perceive them to be and it's completely clearly mm. uh not not true and uh, mate like i'm completely guilty of it as well and have been i mean i've I, I do pride myself on trying to be as open as possible as i can through social media but there's also i mean when you look at when i first started using social media you know i said before i have like a, a background in the comms industry and i understand marketing and journalism but there is an element of this is advertising effectively yeah. a brand which Absolutely. is me so yep. yeah you're going to give them a glimpse behind the glass but at the same time it's still such a kind of small scope this kind of tiny little piece of a person that people are seeing and basing these wild assumptions and perceptions off and yeah I think that you know it can be a very dangerous world to get caught up in and it's something that now might like you know hugely what I want to do moving forward is, as as I guess not an athlete so much as, as someone that has a platform with Fitness an audience mm. yeah. is, is to talk about that because it's so important and it is so much bigger than exercise. Yeah. And that's a huge realization that I've made through my own journey with mental health and, and, and it's an ongoing journey. It's not something that I would necessarily say is completely, you know, I wouldn't yeah, necessarily won. say I'm like fucking good. Yeah. Like mm. I'm all good to go. I mean, only a week ago I was so run down because I, was get, I wasn't getting to bed until like seven in the morning and asked the chick that I'm seeing at the moment, like I, I have physical, like my anxiety attack can be so bad that I'll physically fit in bed, like laying there and I can't, like it can be so, so, so bad that I just don't sleep for, for hours and hours and hours and hours. It's fucked, man. Yeah. And, it's- and so it's definitely not better, but you know, it's, it's that openness and acceptance of it and, and how you deal with it is such a pivotal part of the recovery process and it's the part that most people even don't even start on that journey and they just accept it and you know that's why you look at fuck there's staggering statistics out there you know the rate of mental the incidence of mental health issues documented in women uh, like double that of men yet men are three times three to one killing themselves yeah. to chicks now why do you think my, grandpa, my grandfather killed himself yeah his father before him killed himself my I have 
family members that I won't name that are very, very, very. But the good thing is, the good thing is, it's much more. It's much more highly spoken about in this day and age than it was. I had, I took my grandma. Still to, isn't there yet. No, it's but not. It it's to, not. It is yeah. getting there. It's it's right. getting there. I, yeah. I had lunch with my. I stayed down in Mornington the other day, um, outside of the city of Melbourne, basically, and I crashed at my nan. Had a party going on or whatever, and the next day I took her out to lunch, caught up with my nan and stuff. And Your nan my, had a party going on. That's my nan. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my nan. That, Raging. That's cool. my. That's my nan <laughs> that my that lost my grandpa from to killing himself. Yes. And I had a really good chat with her, and she says because my grandpa was the same. He was like captain of his uh, of school footy he, he didn't get to play um, any sport as a as an adult because his father took him and made him work from 14 years old but he was captain of the footy team captain of the cricket team he looked like um, Anthony Kudafetis like mm. he's an AFL footy but like yeah. a Greek god like really gotcha. jacked brown skin most gregarious outgoing dude you ever meet but my grandmother said that it was two sides like everybody it was like his his persona out in the out in the open and then he would come home and he would switch off and he would be a fucking shell of himself Absolutely. and the problem was that she said that he was medicated from 35 till he took his own life and then but the thing was she said he couldn't ever speak about it to his mates mm. because it would be oh, like you say time as well it, like, it would have just been completely and that particularly time, when yeah. you've got this persona and this is the issue as well if you have this persona that's kind of this like you said, this, this, these, these ideals that society puts out there that are the ideal man and you're exuding them and you're being praised for them and all of a sudden you start to define yourself by these qualities that society kind of give to you and say, hey, you've got this, you are that. Then all of a sudden that becomes even more, more difficult to talk about it. And even things like you know that outgoing gregarious sort of personality becomes this mask that you get really good at wearing when you're in front of people because that's what people respond yeah, to because that's what and they you know expect. And that, that just that, that, beats yeah. you up even more because all of a sudden now you're living this lie to the masses that you have to kind of keep up Fuck, and that's going to eat you up and eat you up and eat you up and eat you up yeah. and then it just gets worse but I, medication as well I mean the meds that I've been on so I started I have had mental health issues for as long as I can remember now I'm like we now know that it's um been well, it's been diagnosed bipolar and severe anxiety so with the, I was diagnosed with bipolar three days before regionals last year. That's the reason I was going to pull out. I was like, this is fucked. I was going to be told I have to go on medication. Wow. And so I started that medication cycle, which I, I'm not on anything at the moment because it was just, stuff fucks you up, man. Yeah. yeah. Like yep. it was, I would take this stuff and I would just, it was just a walking zombie. I'd feel yeah. like I couldn't keep my eyes open. I would just pull over my car once driving home from there. I came into the gym and I couldn't stay awake. And my business partner every time was like, you just need to go home. Like you're fucked. So I left. And I had to pull over and I was living in Glebe and this gym here is in, so it's like a less than 10 minute drive. I had to pull over on the way home because I could, could not keep my eyes open. And that was a point in time where I was like, there's something, this is not, like this isn't helping. This is yeah. just making it worse because now I can't fucking function. So this is, and then, but that's the thing, like you kind of, medication is seen as well. You go on the meds because that's a way to deal with it. Because society hasn't quite accepted, you know, a group of guys sitting down in a room and just being like, oh, yeah, you know, like if someone's got, you know, heaven forbid that I compare this to anything terrible, but if someone's got a broken arm and their arm hurts and you wouldn't say to that person, hey, man, can you carry this huge box of uh, whatever, this box of bricks for me? Um, Definitely. You just wouldn't even do it. And if they wanted to sit down like, fuck, my arm is so sore. You'd be like, dude, I wouldn't be carrying a fucking box of yeah, bricks you have anyone. a broken arm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, that yeah. sucks. Like, you, it's, gotta... it's, 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 you have that injury. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not seen like that anymore. Like I even have a very close friend of mine that I was like talking to at one point in time. And, we, and like I was just talking about stuff. And he said, you know, I was like, I, and he still is a very close friend of mine. I just understand his perception. He said, 
I don't believe that mental health is a real thing. I think it's all in your head. I think that it's something that you, you know, can be diagnosed with, but I think you can just get over it. And I was like, fuck, like how rough is that when this is one of my really close friends is point blank telling me that they think that the shit that's going on inside my head doesn't actually exist. Yeah. It's just my own doing. It's the whole thing. And I was just like, like, holy fuck, man. Like that's that's still the prevailing sort of sentiment for the majority of guys out there. It's just me. Oh, you're depressed, <laughs> are you? Oh, pff, have a beer, mate. You'll yeah, be fine. Yeah. You'll be fine. Have a laugh. Come on. Yeah, come, have a come, laugh. Come, I, mean, come I, don't, I don't think it's that bad. And and like this guy, like- It's you know, definitely getting but better, it's, but it's, it's still- It's still so far from where it could be, where it's mm. just kind of accepted that it's the same as if, you know- You've got someone that's, you know, a diabetic and needs to take insulin. That doesn't change them as a person. They just have to do that. If you've got someone that has a mental health issue and they might need a little bit of them time or they might have a few quirks that they've got to kind of deal with and that sort of thing, then, but that's just normal. And it's something that you can be open and speak about. And that's where I think that society really needs to have that huge cultural shift because without it, like we're just going to keep going two steps forward, one step back. And I guess it's like, this is a very general thing to say, but I will say it anyway. I guess it's like, Every every person's like Bill just said before. Every per like man, all of our anxieties are obviously very different to each other. But um, it's that have, having that understanding that anxiety is still anxiety. If you're freaking out about something, you're you're in the same boat as me. You're in the same yeah, boat as you. Exactly you know, right. it's just like, what do we do? What's the next moving? What's the next step forward? Definitely interesting. All right, now so- that was a tangent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> How was you trying to go anyway? <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so. <laughs> All that said, now training is becoming yeah, an right. enjoyable thing for me again, which is brilliant because it means I'm not going out and sinking piss like a madman all the time and, you know, whatever, chasing skirt. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy training. Which again. are all still That's good, good, here, good parts of a, a well I still do go life. out. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I still do go out and sink piss like a madman yeah, from time to time. More than that. I have a party this weekend. I had a party last week. It was great. But yeah. at the same time now, it's, yeah, it's less of a, it's less of a means of escape uh, which is a very dangerous way to be viewing things mm. like binge drinking and partying. Uh, yeah, for when sure. When that's kind of your way of switching off, you know, that becomes... Yeah, know, it's a healthy... Addiction, it's a healthy, addiction, it's a healthy addiction, addiction is used yeah. as an escape and whatever that is, it can be beer, it can be exercise, it can be, be de- detrimental. Should we do some GBS? Let's do it, mate. Alrighty. So... Oh, these are those... These <laughs> are those one. segments, mate. <laughs> so something good, something bad, and then something science-y. What, are we, what did I write for the good? Oh, here we go. Okay. The Cavs. Are you, a, are you an NBA man? Mate, to be completely honest with you, I'm not. Okay. There's very few sports that I watch. Uh, to be completely fair, I love the rugby yep. and I watch the surfing and that's probably about it. Well, that's okay because uh, I haven't really written a whole lot here. <laughs> I just brought the Cavs up. <laughs> um, I'll, uh, I'll flick it over. This is, a, this is a fucking bizarre tangent, but I really want to hit the nail on the head on this one. So I'll give you some, uh, some facts and then I'll ask my question. The Cavs were the first team to rally from a 3-1 to one deficit to win the NBA Finals. That is true, Doc. Yeah, 100%. Good. Both Kyrie Irving and LeBron James join an esteemed group of becoming the third and fourth players to win a final at their originally drafted club out of 33 past players. That is correct. I assume so, mate. <laughs> That's good. If you've done the Pretty research. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> correct. Now, my question is, you know how those fuckers call themselves world champions? Yeah. Why is that? Well, it's because... Because let's be honest, they're arrogant any Americans. other basketball team <laughs> for them, they look, probably beat them. Look, theoretically, they're world champions. Theoretically. But you also, you're also missing the point that America is the world to Americans. That is true. That is very <laughs> true, yeah. It's America and then a bunch of other stuff floating around in the American Ocean. Yeah. 
to all our American listeners, we, uh, we uh, don't, no, don't agree with that at all. I spend most I, of the time. I, uh, I spend a great deal of time in America. I do love America. I'm we love you guys. We love you. Australian humour. Can't get, get shot as soon as he oh, gets to America. Yeah, I'm going to get off the plane and there's just going to be people standing there. I have enough issues getting through customs with the name Khan and an Arabic tattoo on my neck. Now, where are you from, sir? Australia. You've been from Pakistan, aren't you? What about Pakistan? What about my mate? One of my mates. One of my mates asked me once, Khan, where I was from in Australia. Mm. And and um, no, it started with um, started with me asking him where, where he was from in the states. He was from Maine, which yep. is like upstate New York. Yeah, so yeah, pretty yeah. much Close to Canada, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Fuck I can pretty God. much point the the rough region of the states where Maine is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never been there, but and um, and he asked me. He he came back at me. He's like, and where are you from, Bill? We're we're about to, we're about to you from? I said, oh, I'm from uh, from Melbourne actually. And he goes. Melbourne? Is that like Sydney? <laughs> yeah. Is that kind of just not as good? Yes, it is. <laughs> hey, hang on a second, mate. <laughs> I thought point. that one was going to slide through. <laughs> yeah, though. that's right. No, we'll give it to you. All right. Alrighty. The band. Texan woman <clears throat> speaks like Mary Poppins after operation to fix her overbite. Born and bred Texan Lisa Alabama... Oh, Did it name, mate? Born and bred <laughs> Texan. Yeah, this Lisa sounds like Alabama. a made-up story that you're <laughs> yeah, trying to tell right. us now to sound Mary cool. Mary Poppins. <laughs> um, okay, so apparently this uh, this chick, six months ago, was a mum of three. She underwent surgery to correct an overbite. And when she woke up from anesthesia, the Texan drawer was gone and it was replaced with a British accent. It's well, pretty I'm strange. Bullshit straight away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that didn't happen. Well, here we <laughs> she go. just likes Mary Poppins. Yeah, and now just it, loves it. Yeah. Oh, hello. The operation left the 33-year-old Rosenberg native suffering a rare neurological disorder. Medics say has affected less than 100 people worldwide in the last 100 years. She said, "Quote unquote, people don't people who don't know me. They're like, hey, hang on, <clears throat> I'll get the accent right." People who don't know me, they're like, well, hey, she doesn't speak like that where now. are you from? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> People who don't know me, they're like, where are you from? Lisa said, oh, just a spoonful of sugar. So my question to you guys was, if uh, you could have anyone's voice in the world, who would it be and why? Now, Morgan. mine's Morgan Freeman. Oh, fuck you. I was just going to say that. Can you do a Morgan Freeman that's impersonation? That's a good voice. Isn't that a great Morgan in Freeman impersonation? Like, Look at that couch over there. I wish I could say that the Monopoly man thought the good fight. <laughs> the sisters <laughs> left him alone. Sounds a little less black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Sounds like he's got a, like a cold or something. <laughs> oh, no, do you know what? Here's why. I would have like... Uh, John Legends so I could oh, just yeah. serenade chicks <laughs> with my I mean can you imagine that if you just walked oh. into a room and you could sing like John Legend and I was like oh you're like kind of cute what do you want to do like, is that you wouldn't even have to buy you would never buy another drink in your life yeah, so true. you I could sing I'd the take... Mary Had a Little Lamb yeah. if you sounded like John Legend and that girl is going home with you yeah. I reckon I'd take a nice Jamaican accent you know the dude. You know from like cool, cool Runnings. You know. What? You know like, right, well, we'll what about? You. you know the scene in Cool Runnings where they they, they stack and then the, the guy. I don't know which um, character what his character name was, but when he goes, "Hey Sanka, you're dead, man." You know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be that guy. That's good. I'll be that guy. But you kind of already were that guy. I was gonna say you, you just put that Make voice on. Just talk like that from Mary Poppins. Lady yeah, man. I, I, I can talk like that. What you can do is go in for go in for like a you know break your arm on purpose. Go in to get your surgery on your arm and just come out. Weird disease yeah, yeah. happened to this right. woman. And can you I do don't the, know can, what's going can you, on. Can you do, the, can you do the Jamaican for me? Talk like this. No, can you fix my arm and do the Jamaican? <laughs> yeah, you know all about the Europe. All right. Final one. The science. China unveils the fastest supercomputer in the world. So, the crown for the fastest supercomputer remains in China with Sunway Tahihu Light, I believe that's a regional dialect, taking the top spot from Tahini to 
the new system is able to do almost three times more operations per second. So, uh, so this got me thinking. There are a fair few people out there that uh, that aren't in relationships and uh, obviously have to uh, look towards other means to uh, to satisfy themselves. Um, with a supercomputer like this, I'm just wondering whether or not it could prove to be a little less helpful in the long run. If you get what I'm alluding to, Bill. They're going to look up tons of porn with a really fast computer. <laughs> I didn't know where thing, you were going. Or a good thing. Like compu- I mean, let's oh, be he's honest here. We're all three computer. guys sitting <laughs> yeah, in a room. Like, that's right. You can watch porn now, now <laughs> yeah, and it's right. at a reasonable speed. Mate, I I'll, watch no porn, I'll watch porn at fucking three, three pixels. Yeah. I'll watch all, it's, it's, I remember the like, very first you know Look at that beige colour. I remember that this is a funny, this is a great segue. I, a great little tangent. I remember at high school, like the first one of all of our mates that got a colour picture phone. Yeah. And there was this one website that you could look at like phone porn on, on, on like these old fucking, I don't even know what phone it was. And we used to take turns borrowing this fucking phone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I got the phone for the next yeah. couple of days. Fuck yeah. Mum, yeah. Dad, lock the door. I'm out. But it was that good and it was this pixelated, oh, like wasn't even oh, moving. I'm double working. <laughs> like, oh, you got that phone again this week. That's so good. But yeah, and I was oh. like, oh man, I remember that back in the day. You fuck, you, 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 you made it work. <laughs> yeah. So that was. So first, I don't think it step. matters at all. Hey, I don't think this the, is going to change this you're already, if you're already watching a shit ton of porn, you're already going to watch a shit ton of porn. I was about to go to a segue of um, what was your first experience like uh, masturbating, but I think we should fucking try. Cool. Yeah, I mean, try, look, should we try and get back some... on topics on this conversation? Yeah. I'm a very open person. We're not going to speak about that. Yeah, that's right. I'm open, but I'm not physically that open. Yeah. Let's, um, let's get back on track. Uh, sounds that's good. That's it, eh? That's it for the good, the bad, that the science. That is the GBS, my friend. Enjoy. Yeah, it's good. Excellent. Interesting. Interesting. Variants. Oh, what yeah, variants. Variants. Okay, we all about variants. Alrighty, guys. That was part one of uh, Mr. Khan Porter. Um, really, really interesting. And um, really hoping you guys tune in for part two because it's going to be just as interesting, if not more interesting. Um, guys, just quickly want to go through some stuff that you can do to help the show. Please click the subscribe button when you listen to this on your podcast app on the iPhones or the Androids. Um, go on to the website, guys. If you have anything you missed and you wanted to find out more, click onto the show notes page. That'll help you with specifics and gives you the time of when it occurred up in the show itself. While you're there, guys, jump on the mailing list. Uh, keep up to date with what myself and Docker are up to, plus anything Adventure Fit uh, related, that is including travel and radio. And always, guys, we are sponsored by Audible. Head to audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF Radio to get a one book credit a month. And uh, yeah, guys, uh, oh yeah, that's cool. Also, um, Mount Everest is coming up, team. 15 days uh, tracking up to the base camp. That'll be awesome. As uh, as Bill said in uh, in uh, in the intro, guys, old mate Macca Runnels uh, jumping off of that one. So that'll be good. You can meet, uh, meet the man. You can meet the Greek God. Alrighty, guys, listening for part two coming your way. Boom.